This is Stage Right, and I am your host, John Thorne. They say if you die with a handful of friends, you die a rich man. Well, I have several buses full, and I'm very excited to share them all with you. Welcome to Stage Right. I am your host, John Thorne. This is episode 28. So before we get to part two of my conversation with my good buddy, Chuck Connor, I want to say thank you to everybody that has reached out through Facebook Messenger or through email. You can email the show at john at stagerightpodcast.com, john at stagerightpodcast.com if you want to get a hold of us. But I just want to say thank you to everybody that has reached out with encouraging feedback and stories that you loved from certain episodes. A couple people have even told me who I need to get on the show. So we're working on all kinds of surprises and stuff moving forward. But thank you to everyone that has reached out and encouraged us along the way. So I appreciate it very much. Well, without any further ado... I am going to get to part two of my conversation with my good friend, Chuck Connor. Dude, it's just so crazy when you look back at all the artists and the uh, writers and the musicians and stuff that you and I had the privilege of working with. It's remarkable how special and unique and gifted they were. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? At the end of the day, I mean, I know, and especially in CCN culture back then, some of that, some of that stuff that we might have felt like at the time it was pretty cheese ball or whatever um, that that always got really popular. There there were there were always ten other great songs yeah. dude, that you know you were you were proud of or sure that you know even your musician friends liked <laughs> you yeah. know and, and uh but there there were there were there was you know there was always plenty of good content behind a lot of that so and and thankfully um you know we got in addition like I was telling you in addition to playing some of the popular stuff got to play some just some great songs man and um gosh dude jeff is that's been a long time ago and he's been doing you know solo records ever since and i think dude, some of his best writing has happened probably in the last 10 years i remember his first couple of solo records i was like dude why, why weren't you writing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. why didn't you write that big I, I would love to play play that you know um and funny enough dude i actually have, have gotten to play um with him from time to time um, through the years, um, some of it just acoustic stuff and a couple of times on a kit or whatnot, but, um, right. we're still friends, man. It crazy is, is it sounds, um, we're still getting to do some ministry stuff together. Right. Tell everyone what you and him are doing these days. Yeah. So years ago, this was back when we were playing music together, man. Um, and I'll try to keep it short, man. I don't know how long you want. <laughs> Dude, we have all day if you want it. Dude, our bus was like a rolling sporting goods store, by the way, just so you'll know. I mean, you have a bunch of dudes in there that love football and baseball. And so, you know, we had gloves and footballs and there's a couple of hunters in the bunch, man. We had <laughs> archery targets. It was crazy, dude. I mean, <laughs> and so Jeff had told me, he's like, man, if I ever get a chance to take you pheasant hunting, dude, you would love it. You know, and I grew up doing some wing shooting and things. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Long story short, we ended up out in South Dakota and he called some guy and this farmer out there who is actually a good friend of mine now told Jeff, he's like, hey, man, you guys bring your bus up to my place. I'm not going to be there for a while, but I'll leave you a map on my back porch and a couple of guns and some shells. You and any anybody that wants to hunt, you guys can go out there and walk some of those fields on my place and maybe kill you a pheasant or two, and then I'll meet you guys, and we'll, we'll have supper together. Oh, man. So, you know, only Jeff Moore, man, king of adventure, dude. He, he Right. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we got an off day, and he's giving our driver directions down these dirt roads and stuff. You know, we're out in the middle of this beautiful farm country and end up at this little farmhouse. And, man, for a, a kid that grew up hunting and fishing and – had been so busy in Nashville, he hadn't, you know, smelled any gunpowder for years. I was dying to get outside and do something <laughs> like that. And That's terrific, dude. It was awesome. And this guy left a piece of paper on his back porch with a little map of the property and a couple of guns. And Jeff and I went out and walked these fields and shot, a, killed my first pheasant. And it was just surreal. I was like, God, this is incredible. Hmm. Well, 
fast forward, it seemed like everybody in the band got interested in hunting at the time. So next thing you know, we got more guys with shotguns and stuff, and we would end up in passing through South Dakota during hunting season at some point along the way. And Coincidentally. Coincidentally. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're just going to divert 500 miles tomorrow, guys. Um, got a little pit stop. We're like, woo you know. Right. And so um, <laughs> we go out of this. We got to go out and pheasant hunt at this guy's place through the years. Well, after the band dissolved and stuff, Jeff and I went out to this guy's place to hunt with him a couple of times. And I remember vividly while I was out there, he had um, – our friend Andrew just kind of dreaming out loud on some napkins, you know, right? Uh, with 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 a pen and going, you know, it'd be awesome if we had some kind of faith based outfit or hunting deal where we could maybe take some guys that couldn't afford it and try to do something that was really really built around fellowship and encouragement and 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 get to do some of these really awesome things that the Lord gives us to to do, you know, outside. And anyways, that thing began to get some legs and um, Jeff started this thing called Dakota Fellowship Lodge and then it evolved into what is now Fellowship Adventures. So that's where it all started was out at that, that guy's farmhouse in Alpena, South Dakota. That's crazy. That thing got some legs to it and they, it started off just a, a pheasant hunting lodge and through the years it has grown into a place where A, you know, um, a ministry can go out there and Jeff will set the table for them to create relationships with donors and partners so they you know they can share in ministry stuff together and support ministry stuff together and at the same time i may be wrong but this is probably pretty close i'd say probably half of their clients are sponsored so it's a non-profit outdoor organization and about half of the people that come are sponsored so say for instance say a, a ministry guy like me works at a little mission organization and um i love the outdoors but you know i can't afford an expensive you know first class lodging food and hunt you know out in the prairie of south dakota right and then some guy that that um has uh lord's blessed with some financial capacity comes along and said you know what i'm gonna bless that guy right well you can send them out there with fa so a lot of guys do pastors ministry guys through the years have, have gone on trips out there and um, dude i reconnected with arlen Troyer out there remember arlen oh yeah 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 dude i was um he he had you know after he left I think he quit when he quit playing for Stephen he went to seminary and and everything and was um, pastoring the church and somebody sponsored him and he was out there on a trip and Jeff had made a spot for me that week and he and I connected reconnected then and got to see him and I've seen Arlen several times uh, out there through the years and still stay in touch with him but dude that's great anyways that thing evolved dude now now it's uh, got the pheasant hunting piece and they got uh, this. They've done fishing in Canada, and um, they're, I think that deal is going to end up being in northern Minnesota. They do some wing shooting in Bolivia, and, and they, what happened was about five years ago, the little ministry that I work for now started doing a, a hunt through Fellowship Adventures, and it, it basically evolved, turned into a fundraiser for our, our ministry. And we'll go out there every fall and um, you know, get to enjoy some cool stuff outdoors and I'll share with them, you know, what we're doing. And some, some of the guys that go are guys that participate with us already. And anyways, it's become a fundraiser for, for our event that we do annually. Well, as, as, as that was going along at some point, Jeff and them expanded a little bit and decided to start doing uh, some spring turkey hunting and um, some archery hunts in the fall. And so I started helping a little bit with that. And a couple of years ago, I just fell into a kind of a part-time gig, man, where I'm working with Jeff again. So I'll, I'll work for Fellowship Adventures in the spring for um, like this. I'll be out there for almost a month this spring. And then in the fall, I'll go out there and um, I kind of help run the turkey camp and deer camp um, and do some guiding. And so that's kind of how we're connected. And then in the middle of that, man, Jeff has just been super gracious. And we've done a couple of events together to – help the organization I work for. He's actually been on a mission trip to Brazil with me. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. So Hey, dig in deep. Tell everybody about the organization that your dad built that you run now. Okay. So um, I know we're kind of flying all over the map here, um, and I got ahead of myself there. Sorry. No, it's all part of your story, dude. It all ties together. Go ahead. When um, when the distance dissolved at the end of the, of the 90s, this is right around 2000, our band was dissolving, and I uh, – you know, I was like, well, got to find another gig, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I was putting out feelers and everything. And my father, who um, 
was the director for a little organization called Christian Missions Unlimited that he had actually started in 75. I'll, I'll jump into what we do in a minute. My, that was, that was my, that's what my dad did, man. He started doing that in the late seventies and, and the thing grew a bit. And then, um, our home base was that literally out of my dad's kitchen <laughs> right. at our little family farm, just South of Montgomery, Alabama. My dad had been doing that and taking volunteer groups to Brazil to build churches. And, you know, dude, I had no, no plans. It was never on my radar to ever work for my dad or anything like that. Um, didn't feel like that was my calling. You know, I, I literally thought I would probably, or I was hoping I would anyways, just play drums till I got arthritis so bad I'd have to quit, you know? Right. And so, um, somewhere at the end of the nineties, as all this was happening, I was, I was actually looking for another gig. My dad called me out of the blue and said, Hey, would you ever consider moving home and helping me? And I was like, um, well, I think about it, you know, kind of blew it off. And he called me again and said, Hey, no, I'm being serious, man. The, the, the organization's growing and maybe, maybe you could move home and commute to Nashville and some stuff like that. And I really just kind of blowing it off. And again, enter, enter the, the picture again, my sweet wife, Rachel and I were talking about this and she said, we, you know, we really need to pray about this, man. And, you know, I don't, just like with any, anything else, I don't think, you know, that would be put in front of you. You're not supposed to consider it, you know, and so, right, man, dude, as we began to kind of walk through that and pray about it, I just got these clear signals, man, that it was, wow, it was time for me to do something different, huh. that it was time for me to, to, you know, step away from that. We started a family, you know, a little girl named Josie and right. when you start a family, man, it, it, the road thing gets a little tougher, you know, and you got kids and stuff. And so that probably made me consider <laughs> a little bit more mm-hmm. than maybe I would have when I was single for sure. Right on. But, um, we just felt like it was the right thing, man. And without getting to a whole lot of stuff, man, we just, we just knew it was right. And so we, um, we moved back to Alabama and literally we went ahead and moved our furniture into a storage house. Mm. Uh, I mean, a storage facility, um, right here in Montgomery and the plan was we were going to move home and live in a bedroom on the end of my dad's house for about six months till we could figure out where we're going to live. That's how we were going to transition. (laughs) So, so we went ahead and moved all of our stuff and I was still playing shows with Jeff and uh, I literally got everything moved home except for my drum kit. (laughs) And after our last show in Florida, the bus was rolling through Montgomery dude and they pulled off at a truck stop and I had, I had that, particular evening before we stuffed all my <laughs> cack up under the bus man and my wife picked me up wow. and i threw my drums on the back of a pickup truck man and uh <laughs> and, um wow came home that's that's how i got home and so and this you're dude, you're gonna laugh at this so dude i don't even know what i'm getting into i just know i'm supposed to do it right right and you know i grew up around it i knew my dad took volunteer groups to brazil and um I knew in, in my head it was an awesome thing that, that the organization was doing by giving these a church building to an existing congregation that didn't have the the means or resources to have their own building and in, in their world having some validity um, as well as credibility in their community was life-changing for them. You know, right. I knew that, and so I knew it was good work, and um, here I go. I'm going to move home and do this. Well, through the years playing music and being on the road, the one thing that I observed that I wanted nothing to do with was to be a road manager. <laughs> Man, you know, dude, you, I would watch those guys go up to the yep. you know, hotel desk and there would be problems and then there would be problems with logistics and there would be problems with travel and transportation and just all the headaches and all the hours. And I'm, I, re- I do more than once. I remember watching those guys and saying to myself, I will never do that. <laughs> I don't care how things bad, you know, how bad things may get. I, that's one gig I will not do. Right. Well, dude, I get home and the next thing I know, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm dealing with airline schedules and booking flights and <laughs> talking to my our Brazilian partners about transportation. I'm like, Oh my Lord, I've become a road manager for a mission organization. <laughs> And that's exactly what I was doing. That's awesome. So, um, again, I learned never say never, right? Never in a million years. So uh, that's kind of how it started. Then, then you know, years later, I started actually um, going on trips once I kind of learned what was going on and how we were doing things. Started 
leading volunteer groups down there myself. So that's how, um, that's how I ended up, um, with Christian missions unlimited. And, um, and then, like I said, you know, through the years, Jeff was big encourager and advocate of what I was involved in, always stayed in touch. And then eventually we got to go on a trip together and the Lord just kind of, in a lot of cool ways, enabled us to keep doing some ministry stuff together all these years. I would have never in, in my life, uh, you know, thought that would have happened. I can remember many, many times, you know, you know, having a prayer backstage before we went out to play and he would always ask, Hey, where's your dad now? You know, and we'd pray for, for my dad and the teams that were down there. And I just never, never thought that I would end up doing this. And here I am, you know, 20 years later, that's what I'm doing. Right. Well, tell everyone why it was important. You went back when you did in relation to when your dad actually passed away. Oh yeah. So that's a good question. So when I went back, he just needed some help and, right. uh, you know, the, we were just, he was doing more trips, taking more people and he's getting older. And sure. at the time, dude, I didn't know any of this was coming. I was just, I just felt like it was where I was supposed to be, you know? Right. And, um, and so I, uh, I think it, like I told you, I think it was around 2000, hmm. um, that I moved home and started doing that. And then, um, my dad in 2000, so I've been there almost right at 10 years. Okay. And, uh, my dad passed away in January of 2010. Wow. And, um, when he passed away, that's when our board of directors, you know, they felt like, you know, I was supposed to take the mantle from him and, you know, man, looking back, uh-huh. dude, it's just God's providence, man, that sure. I came home when I did. And right. Well, getting to see both parts of the ministry, the office part, and then the travel part, getting to do all of it with him. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And, and, and not only to learn just how to, how to handle things there, but man, just to learn the value of what we were doing, not only, um, for the people that we're trying to bless or, or that we're called to serve. But man, I had no idea till I got involved how life changing it was for the people that went. And that was something that really, really stirred my heart and something that, uh, you know, obviously began to pay attention to, you know, along the way was the, you know, how it's, it's, it's how cool it is when, you know, you're going to build a church and not only build a building, but, you know, build into the lives of people right. that are that are in that existing congregation. But you forget how you're helping the church back home, man, by taking people to serve and exposing them to what they see and how they we just all come home better. You know, you've done it, dude. Yeah. I've done it, and, and and not just Brazil, but other mission trips, even locally. How you know, at the end of the day, man, you you come home a better church member. You come home with things that the Lord gives you to take home and and apply there, and even in your own backyard. And so. I think that those years prior to his passing, I just learned the the value of, of what it was uh, the Lord had called us to do on both sides of the pond, you know? Right. Yeah. So the mantle was handed to me and it, you know, obviously at that time I realized, gosh, man, the Lord is so kind and how he, whether you understand it or not, or it makes any sense to you along the way, man, he's got a plan for you. And yeah, you know, even and he's gracious enough that even when we don't want to pay attention, you know, he's just just gracious and stays with us and keeps showing us. Um, and so, yeah, man, just learning to along the way to be faithful and steadfast and keep plugging away what he's given us to do. And so, it's been yeah, man, ten years since my dad passed, and I'm you know since I became the director, and we're still um, still doing that, man. It's been. We started in '75 and still trying to breathe life into some little little churches and scattered across Brazil and right on a lot of the stuff that I didn't see early on. You know, when I'm a kid, you know, I'm just like, yeah, this is awesome. My dad, dad's going to help people. You know, we pack these duffel bags full of <laughs> right. clothes or whatever that he was, you know, taking down to give to missionaries at the time as as he went. Yeah. You know, just kind of being around it, you think, oh, this is a this is a good thing. We're help, we're we're helping these people, and little do you know till you're involved how much i mean gosh dude we're the recipients of half the blessings sure you know, just just from the sheer fact we get to go and be a part of of that and right. so yeah man it's just it's it's amazing I, I found out you know initially i'm thinking that's cool we build churches and then i find out through the years that we build a lot more than that by just 
a lot of wonderful building, man. You build in the lives of people and discipleship and build faith and calling and community and fellowship and relationships and all these other things that at the end of the day are part of growing the kingdom. And absolutely, it's just, just a, an amazing thing to be part of. And I'm, I'm thankful. And well, and inspiring those little churches across Brazil. Oh dude, listen, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand until, you know, you don't understand that you're face to face with somebody in a, you know, underprivileged underprivileged community like that and 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 they're they're just so thankful you came man it it means as much to them as the gift of a building you're giving them that you would you would act, actually show up man right i literally didn't know till i started going to value and just being present man and breathing the same air that they do and let them let letting them know in, in person that you love on them you know the body of christ encouraging the body of christ there and then at the same time getting to point people to the lord in those communities, it's just unbelievable. And, um, you know, what's crazy, man, kind of my dad's motto was, we, you got to go, man. You, you, we can't just send the money. And here we are, you know, all these years later and with this crazy pandemic going on and, and we can't go. Right. But the Lord's kind there too, man. He's given us other things to step into that are purposeful and what he has for us at this time. And, you know, it's it's funny how we think when all this starts, it's almost like we have this attitude, man, what what's the Lord going to do if I can't do do my thing? Right. <laughs> it's, it's absurd kind of what starts creeping in your head. Gosh, what, you know, and, and he just gives us these other things to do and his plan is bigger. And um, like right now, man, the we uh, I think it started started last spring when we found out we couldn't go. Our partners down there said, hey, man, our biggest need right now is is not to build some buildings, but to, to help some people that are hurting. And, um, we formed a, f- a food program hmm. with our partners there that through some of these small community churches, um, that we've helped build in the past, um, we were able to start a food program so that we could bless them and help them do ministry. So, um, we're able to send some money down and these, um, the pastor himself or some of the, the members in those churches are out blessing families that you know haven't had work for some of them over a year now right and are just physically hungry and are able to bless them with food baskets that'll take care of them for a month and man you know you know man the relational yep. side of that and how these guys are getting to share the gospel with people that may never come in the doors of their church and the relationships they're creating and just being hands and feet man being able to bless them and give them an opportunity to minister has just been unbelievable. I never saw anything like this ever coming for us, but it's, it's what the Lord has us doing right now. Well, to me, the best part about it, Chuck, was you not only got to spend 10 years with your dad in ministry, but you got to spend 10 extra years with your dad as his son. Oh, dude, no doubt. I, matter of fact, um, you know, it's crazy. So even, even when I was on the road, my dad had some health problems, man, through the years, you know, and um, I, I worried about him all the time and, um, he's just one of those dudes, dude, he could come home and, you know, <laughs> have some major surgery Yeah. and, and, um, I'm getting back on the plane, you know, it was, and, <laughs> right. and, it, it was just, just who he was, man. that's what he did. And he'd be, you know, half, halfway out from anesthesia and he's trying to recruit people in the OR to go on a trip with him. That's just who he was. Right. And, you know, you take it for granted. You always think, well, he'll always get better and get back on the plane. But what I was getting at was for years, I can remember even laying in my bunk thinking, man, Lord, please give me a few year, few more years for my pops. And then when I found out that I was going to, you know, going to move back, I was like, oh, Lord, please give me four or five good years with him. You know, I don't know how long that'll, it's going to last, you know. And right. so I got 10, 10 awesome years and um, working with him and, um, you know, sometimes it's not the easiest thing in the world to do is to work with your parents, but it ended up being a blessing man, uh, for us relationally and then me to find out even more, you know, about his heart for ministry and uh, why he did things the way he did and how he cared about people. And, right. you know, I, I don't know if, dude, I don't know if I can love people the way he did. Um, but, um, you know, I kind of learned through through his death and, and through paying attention to, um, you know, kind of how the Lord wired me and everything, um, that he's giving my, you know, giving me my own set of shoes. So early on, you know, it begins, it, 
it, it's a bit overwhelming. You're like, gosh, man, how am I going to do this? How can I take the mantle from him? You know, I, there's no way I could step in his boots, you know? Yeah. He's a, a different character. He was this bigger than life guy that was a really gifted communicator and speaker and former pastor. And, you know, it's almost kind of almost swings back to how, how you, you know, I felt in some of the early days thinking, what am I doing here? You know, but finding out along the way, man, Hey, the, the Lord, uh, reiterating to you through friends and uh, through relationships and experiences that, man, you're, you're right where I want you to be, man. And I've, I've wired you to do this. And it, you know, you don't, you don't have to fill your dad's shoes because I gave you your own set, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I know every person is different and God allows some people to be in music forever and they get all kinds of studio work and they tour forever and then there's those like you and I who come to a certain point in our life where we can either keep doing what we were doing or God asks us to do something different. And like you, I chose to follow the path God opened up for me and went a different direction, got into video, uh, worked as a worship arts director, done a lot of events and stuff behind the camera. I have nothing but respect for the choice you made and the decisions you made that led you to where you're at now. Oh man. Well, thank you. Man, it's just God's grace at the end of the day. I'm thankful. You know, is if, if you would have told me two years prior to that, man, I would have, I'd probably bucked it pretty hard, but, um, you know, the Lord's time is always perfect, man. It's just crazy to think about, but I was where, you know, I was just in a, in a place when, when that came along that, um, you know, my, my head and my heart were, they were open to that, you know, and, um, to, to doing that. So when it, when it came time, man, I was really at peace about it. It wasn't like, uh, you know, if it had been any other time, I would have probably come home kicking and screaming, you know, but, um, I just, I knew, I just knew it was the right thing. Knew it was the right thing. And I was just felt at peace and content. Man, I was like, man, I'm blessed to, Gosh, man, how crazy is it that, you know, with not coming from a musical family and, you know, just, you know, not, not, not one of the cats that was just blessed with everything, but had to work real hard, you know, and chisel pretty hard to, to, you know, make some progress, um, musically had to work, work hard at it. And then kind of figure out what your wheelhouse is. I just felt super blessed and thankful I got to be involved when I did. And I mean, looking back, dude, what a, gosh, what a great time to have been involved in all that. I just super thankful, but I was just in a place where I knew the time and was right. And so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't like I had, um, I didn't feel like I was making some big sacrifice or anything like that. That's kind of what I, where I was headed with that, you know? Yeah. Um, which knew it was the thing to do. I didn't know what I was getting into. It scared, definitely scared the heck out of me. <laughs> and there were, and there were times early on, I thought, what have I done? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, first Samuel 15 says that obedience is greater than sacrifice. And you might not think it was a big sacrifice, but the obedience part was huge. Oh man, dude. Yeah. That's a, yeah. And I'm still learning that man, you know, still learning, you know, gosh, man, I say this all the time to people, Sometimes we're on trips, just like, gosh, man, the Lord, he doesn't want you to be extravagant, you know, because he is. And yeah, you, you don't have to do anything, you know, you don't have to do anything crazy, man. You, he just wants you to be faithful and steadfast, man. Just be obedient, be faithful and steadfast. And yep. be content in that with whatever it is he has you to do, man. And so um, um, I certainly don't have all that figured out, but that's kind of where my head's been the last four or five years. And um, man, dude, you, do we get, do we get time for me to tell you a quick story? Absolutely. So along the way, and this was, this was after my dad had passed, but, um, we were, um, I was in Brazil and we had a long summer, dude. And it was one that just beat me up, man. I was on the plane a lot and, you know, not getting any sleep. And we just, you know, it can, it can become a little, it can become just like, being on the road, dude, where you're just like, man, I just want to start checking the calendar off till I get home. Right. You know? And that's kind of where my head was. And I was tired, dude. I was literally weary. I was tired to the point that I don't even know if I was recognizing anything good that was going on around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and and that's kind of where I was. And so at the end of the it, we're at the end of the summer, and this great friend of mine who's a mentor to me and just a oh my gosh, wonderful human being is a pastor there in Manaus, Brazil, which is a city at the headwaters of the Amazon. And that's kind of where my dad's work started. And we have a lot of friends there and stuff. And, um, he, he, he also is a, an avid outdoorsman. And so we just have this really great friendship and everything and try to do some stuff, have done stuff together along the ways, just some cool adventures, getting outside. And anyway, um, he, he, contacted me that summer and he goes hey man at the end of your building season why don't you uh why don't you come to Manaus man and let's um uh, let's go we'll go fishing for several days I'm like I'm done I'm there <laughs> no problem so I end up going to visit my pastor friend there uh so it's like September right and so we're going out to this little tributary of the Amazon and I love it out there. Dude. I've been able to go several times and we stay with a sweet family. He's a, he's a pastor of a little church that ironically my father built right. back in the early nineties. Okay. Um, just located on a little, a little Island. And, and just so you know, man, you're starting back in 75. A lot of what my dad did early days was, would be considered, you know, more adventurous and more primitive. You know, he would, they would, go down the river to a little town and build a church or they would go to some remote places. And these days, you know, a lot more of that takes place in the suburbs of larger cities or, um, you know, where the people we work with are planting churches, um, that are on the outskirts of a, or, or in a town, you know, of say 50,000 people that's three or four hours away from a big city or something like that. So, um, same work, same need. It just looks a little different than it did in the early days. So, it was always kind of cool for me to, you know, go to a place like that and kind of see, you know, maybe what things would have been like for him in those days. So anyways, we, we go, we go and out of this little tributary and we're staying in the home with this pastor and his family, sleeping in hammocks and eating what they eat and everything. And I'd, I'd been able to do this a couple of times and I had seen this church, um, and had walked in it and taken pictures and stuff. But, um, I'd never been there on a Sunday, believe it or not. I'd never been to a service there and because I was always there during the weekdays in, in prior years. And so on this particular trip, man, I'm just going to just throw my phone in my bag. It won't work out there anyways, right? And and just veg out, enjoy being out in the middle of God's handiwork and catching a few fish and relaxing and being around my pastor friend, you know. Right. And that was it, man. I just wanted to just veg. I was tired and beat up and weary. And like I was telling you, really in my head, I was just like, I couldn't even take in any of the, the purposeful things that we were actually doing. And you, you know how it can, it can get just like being on the road. You're worried about the next place and the next flight and how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And I was just kind of beat up. And so we're out there fishing and my pastor buddy says, Hey man, since we're going to be here over the weekend, um, we should go to, go to the little church up here uh, on the Utebu river and it'll, it'll be fun. You know, we'll get go up there and uh, go to a service and whatnot. And I thought, well, that's cool, man. I'll take some pictures and that'll be neat for me to have some pictures of this church. My dad and a team built back in 92. That'll be cool. Right. And, and then, um, you know, spend the rest of the afternoon relaxing. Well, we go to this little church and it sits up on a hill and it's, it's just, dude, it's gorgeous. It sits up on a hill um, and, and on like this peninsula and overlooks this beautiful bend in the river and it's just stinking gorgeous. And we, so we go there and you have to go by boat, man, by the way, it's, right. there's not, there's not a little town connected to it. It's, um, you know, very different than, than the places that we go these days. Yeah. And, um, almost like you're, you're back in time. And so we're sitting up there on the steps of this little church and, um, just talking and it's just my pastor friend, the pastor of this little church and, his, some of his family members and he's opening the doors and get things ready. And we're sitting there and we start hearing these little boat motors, you know, pop, 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 these little, and uh, my pastor buddy says, Hey man, people are on the way to church, you know? And I'm like, Oh, this is crazy, man. So I look down and there's, I see a couple of boats come around the corner and there's probably, you know, I don't know, 30, 35 people that attend this little church hmm. out in this little area. And so um, a couple of boats start showing up. This one little boat, this long, narrow, little, 
wooden boat with a motor on the back. And we call them go devils. They got, it looks like a long prop, you know, that sure. sticks that way behind the boat with a propeller on it. They come around the corner. It's this cute, sweet looking little couple with a couple of kids. Hmm. And, um, the husband's driving the boat with one hand and he's holding an umbrella over his wife with the other. Cause it's, you know, it's eight 30 in the morning, but the sun's already beaten down, you know, and hmm. your skin's already shining, you know, from the humidity and, they uh they pull up on the bank and they get out of the boat and the the mom and dad they grab the hands of their little kids and they start up this hill it's about a hundred yard walk from the water up to the church and I'm thinking man that is crazy you know I live in a world where I watch people you know bail out of a suburban or a Tahoe right. you know and drag their kids across the asphalt kicking and screaming to church and yeah it was just so different you know they're they they arrived in a boat and they're walking uphill to church and I thought well that that's sweet you know and I I pretty much thought that was the end of it well they get up there to the church and um I don't speak Portuguese very well so I'm we're we're talking with this couple through my pastor friend and we go in the back of the church and sit down on the the back pew and I got to hear her story and so her name's Vanya and um she said that when she was five years old, she lived there in a nearby community, and she said, I remember your dad coming here when I was a little girl hmm. with a group of Americans to build this church. And um, I was like, oh, my goodness, you know. And she said, I, she said, I sat under a shade tree over there on the, on the side of the, the lot here and watched them every day and she talked about how sweet they were and kind they were to everybody in her community. She watched the church get built. And so I'm trying to remember exactly what year this was. I was down there. Maybe maybe it was 2015 or something. So, man, it's like, it's like almost 15 years, I guess. Right. Um, from the time the church was built. No, longer than that. Yeah, so it, it was longer. built in 92. So. 2012, 20, we're looking at 20, 20, 22, 24 years later. Yeah. And so, um, she, she goes on to tell us how, you know, the group of Americans showed up and loved on our community and they built that little church and that how, after they left, her parents started taking her to that church. Oh, wow, dude. That's awesome. And that's where, uh, you know, and she, she starts hearing these songs about Jesus and learning them and she heard the gospel. Oh. It's where she gave her life to Christ. Oh, dude. And then she grew up in that church, you know, with those, those older older saints, so to speak, you know, pouring into her life and discipling <laughs> her. And and then that's where she met this Christian man that she fell in love with. They were baptized right there in the river, and they started the family. And um, that's where they were taking, you know, her little boys. Dude, I'm going to tell you, it's hard, hard for me not to even cry when I tell the story because— um, I was just blown away. It's another one of those, you know, clock stopping moments for me where I was like, dear Lord, man, I had, you know, getting so busy, uh, right. just doing, you know, you forget sometimes the magnitude of what God's doing, um, just through your faithfulness, whether you, you know, even f feel like it or not, or whether you're getting warm fuzzies while you're doing it, you know? Right. I imagine, dude, that moment must have made your dad and all the years he spent down there so real for you. Oh, dude, man, I just all of a sudden felt very uh, remorseful <laughs> for some of my attitude. But at the same time, it was just so encouraging, man, to go, gosh, you know, because that, you know, that may not happen every time you go. Yeah. Um, it, it may not, you know, uh, it may not, it, we know it doesn't, you know, it just, it, but it does, it, it happens. There's people, that not only what you see, but I guess what I'm getting at is um, we don't always see the ripple effect of, of just from just simply being faithful. And that's just kind of what jumped off the page at me. And um, I remember I literally walked out of that building going, God, please don't let me get tired of doing this. You know? <laughs> right. And, and um, I get home, man. And, um, you know, first Sunday I'm home, my pastor's teaching out of Galatians, man. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, what was really telling me something here? And just, man, not to grow weary or tired, but be 
faithful and steadfast. That's the deal, man, you know, and doing his work and knowing that there will be fruit from it. Absolutely. Um, just, just really that, that point in time, um, is something that happened along the way that really kind of began to frame things for me, um, moving forward, you know, since this thing had been, you know, put in my lap. And so, um, just a blessing to be a part of, dude, that just really kind of helped shape my heart and my mind. And, and so I just try to hang on to that, man, you know, fast forward to now, just do what we're supposed to do, what we're called to do and just be faithful and, and know that, um, you know, whether I see the fruit of what we're doing right now or not, there will be, there, there will be some down the road, man, cause he's faithful. So right on dude. All right. Before we move on, tell everyone where they can find you, where your website is, where they can keep up with you, where they can support you if they feel like they're supposed to, uh, where are you at online? Yeah, it's real simple, man. Christian missions with an S.org. Christian missions.org. Yep. You can go there and it'll tell you a little bit about, um, you know, our core ministry, which is in Brazil. And then also a little bit about, um, uh, our, we have a small home mission element that I haven't even talked about, man. After, after my dad passed, um, we weren't sure what we were going to do with our family farm or anything. And, um, lo and behold, man, another long story short, we ended up turning it into a bunkhouse. Oh, cool. And so from time to time, um, we'll host, uh, we do some staff retreats there, man. We're, we're, we're still doing some work on it now to make it more of a retreat place for, um, you know, especially small church staffs that need a place to, to retreat or do planning. And then we, uh, We'll host uh, sometimes mission groups there that are looking to do stateside stuff from time to time um, because of my ministry partners um, that uh, I have around here. They'll make me aware of maybe some needs that they have. So um, it gives me a chance to um, uh, be a, for us to be a ministry that helps other ministries sometimes. So we'll, we might host a student group or a, a group that has some carpentry skills or something we'll we'll host them here on our at our at our place and then give them some mission projects to do and then so yeah man we have a a little bit of stateside stuff that we do and we we it's funny we call it chuck's house is what we call our home mission element and it sounds like the cockiest thing in the world but it's really not named after me it's named after my dad (laughs) it was it was done to honor him and our place was always a revolving door, you know, for, for students and young people when I was living out there and, um, you know, doors never locked and just, it's, it's crazy, man, to see some cool ministry stuff happen there, right there. And, you know, my dad's living room or on his, what, you know, the back deck that we got there now and, um, get to do some things, pour into some people's lives, you know, on this side. And, uh, um, and then of course, Along the way, um, some of those people uh, find out about what we do in Brazil and and want to go serve with us there. So that's uh, another really cool thing that has evolved out of all this stuff. And that's what I do, man. I, um, <laughs> you know, just I somehow became the director for a mission organization. I don't play much anymore, dude. I, uh, I, I do serve at my church, man. So a couple Sundays a month, um, I have the privilege of playing my local church. And I, um, I think I told you before we got on the, got on the horn here, uh, my son started playing bass several yeah. years ago. And so <laughs> I love that picture you sent on me. The, yeah. Yeah. So on the Sundays I get to play, man, he, he, he plays bass, which is cool. And we get to serve together and I'm thankful for that. And, um, it's like I tell him, man, it's something you'll, a way you'll, you'll always be able to serve, you know, regardless of, you know, what you do with it. And, um, I'm thankful for that. They let the, they let the old guy get up there and play every now and then. So that's kind of fun. And I, you know, you know, is when you don't do it much, man, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm kicking rust off, man. I'm just trying to keep my head above water when I get, get to do it, but I, I enjoy it, man. It's a lot of fun and another, another way to serve. And then hopefully, you know, every now and then along the way, hopefully, you know, mentor, mentor another younger guy that, that, uh, that aspires to, to play. So, Right. Dude, it's so remarkable that you've kept your dad's legacy alive and all the years he poured into that ministry, you keep it going. Uh, I have nothing but respect for you and I'm proud of you for doing it. And I love you, dude. Oh man, listen, I'm, I'm, 
humbled and and, and feel just ridiculously uh, privileged to to do it. And I hope I hope that um you know at the end of the day that I stay you know more concerned about the the Lord's legacy than it, you know than our families for sure. That's right. Um, but it 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 is it is kind of crazy that um all these years that all this these wonderful things that have gone has allowed me to be a part of it and continue to do it. And I'm super thankful, man. And none of that would be possible without, um, you know, the blessing of great friends, man, who encouraged along the way, man, you being one of them and people like Jeff and some of my ministry buddies. And we talked about, um, you know, Mark Hill, man, what a dear friend, man, he supports our ministry and, um, so many encouragers, man, just some of my, my old bandmates, man. And I, I still stay in touch with those guys, you know, Jeff Barkley being one of them. He's a, um, worship leader down in Louisiana and cool. just all those people along the way, man, at some point, man, give you some encouragement and, and, and pray for you. And, um, I'm just super thankful, super grateful. It's, it's crazy, man. I, I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I don't know why the Lord gave me this seat, but I'm glad he did because I get to see a lot of wonderful things, um, you know, on this side of heaven because of it. So, right. Well, dude, I know you've got stuff you have to do this afternoon. So let me uh, get you out of here on this. I know the Janice House brethren would, the alumni would go crazy if I didn't tell at least one Janice House story with you on the show today. So let me ask you this. This is one of my favorite Chuck Connor, Rob Luttrell, John Thorne stories from the Janice House. Do you remember New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, 1992? Dude, I don't. Jog jog my memory. Okay. So Peter had called me. The Newsboys had two New Year's Eve shows in Elk River, Minnesota. And he asked me, can you learn 16 songs by tomorrow at 3 o'clock? And as a joke, just because I was messing with him, I said, 16 of yours? Of course. So he said, Sean, their bass player, actually was stuck in Australia on a visa issue when he couldn't get back and was going to miss the two New Year's Eve shows they had in Elk River, Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. So he ran the CDs over to the Janice house. I basically rehearsed for like 15 hours straight. They picked me up the next day, went to Minnesota, played a couple shows, Then we drove back to Nashville, and I got dropped off at the Janus house at like 4 in the morning, January 2nd, which was about four hours after the last football game had ended. You and Rob were sleeping on the living room floor because you both had people in from out of town, and you were letting them use your rooms. So you guys were crashed on the floor in the middle of the living room. (laughs) (laughs) I laid down on the floor and, and whispered in your ears, you were laying next to each other, and I said, I just thought you'd want to know I'm home. <laughs> and, dude, we ended up getting up, and you and I oh, and Rob right. went to Kroger. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah, to get your chips and salsa, man, which was, oh, my gosh, dude. How did you even, well, I guess it's easier for you to remember after coming off such a, an epic last-minute deal like that. Oh, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy New Year's Eve. It was so fun and it was a blast and all that. But but you're part of that story because when I walked in, I didn't know you guys were going to be like sprawled all over the living room. And it was just, it was so perfect because all I had to do to have people to hang out with was wake you guys up. (laughs) I know. Oh, dude, I know. And back then, man, man, (laughs) man, I don't know about you, but I miss being able to run on the fumes like that, like we could back then, dude. I can't do it now, but. Um, oh my gosh. I can do it when I have to, but I don't do it for fun anymore. Cause no, <laughs> it's work, work related, you know, yes. long, long flights and coach, you know, I can, I can suck it up and handle it for right a trip now and then, but man, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Dude, what, what some, man, just some great days, man. I'm, I'm thankful that you and I crossed paths. I feel the same way, dude. It was a blessing then. And, and still to this day, I can't, um, you know, the more I thought about it, even as talking, man, just the encouragement and everything and the, the friendships that come out of that, man, I, golly, dude, what a blessing, man. The <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord's gracious, man, to give us great friends and fellowship and relationships that, um, that are, they're just sweet, man. I'm thankful. Well, dude, you got a beautiful family. Tell your wife, Rachel, I said, Hey, you and I, uh, we actually used to double date. We did, man. A matter of fact, I, you know, I got off the phone when you called me the other day about doing this, 
Rachel, you know, we started reminiscing, man. I was like, gosh, you know, you remember that time that um, um, we played that Not a Joy deal down at Disney World? You remember those things? Oh, yeah. And um, you and I were playing the same weekend. I think you were playing with Whiteheart. Yeah. But, I, you know, Rachel and I, we were already married, so we, we weren't in the Janice house together anymore. So I didn't get to see you very often. Right. And I don't – there was some weirdness about Rachel flying home, and I was worried about her getting a flight. And I just remember – you know, I was kind of anxiety ridden. I can't remember all the circumstances, but I remember you saying, Hey dude, I'll take care of things. I'm flying home tonight too. It, it, don't, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. So, um, I get a call from Rachel the next day. I'm like, everything go. Okay. She's like, Oh yeah, man. She says, you know, John, not only did he get us a flight, but he got me bumped up to first class. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So there's a, probably a hundred other stories like that I'll think of between now and the time I go to bed. But, um, <laughs> Write them down, dude, and we will do a Janice House episode with just alumni from the house. Yeah, we need to, man. That's a, That was some crazy days, and um, we met a lot of crazy talented people that came through there, whether it was for one night or for six months or six weeks. or um, Yeah, we'll have to revisit that. We won't mention anybody that got voted out of the house. We'll just... <laughs> We'll, we'll just we'll, we'll just stay on the good stuff, you know. Dude, it's funny because everybody hears about how we talk about great musicians and fun and all that, but the the magic of the Janice House was also that everybody were great people. Oh, dude, no doubt about it. And dude, where where else could you find a place where you got fellowship that's great like that, and the, the, the hangs great, and the encouragement, and the, the um, there's no telling how many people got turned on to other jobs or gigs from being in that circle, and then. You had a place where, you know, you could even after you didn't live there, you had a you had a, a you know a lifetime pass to come rehearse there. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing was pretty cool. And when it was all said and done, dude, we have a list of lifelong friends. Yeah, absolutely, man. I wouldn't, um, I, I wouldn't trade any of the 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 worst days uh, during that season for for the friendships that came out of that, man. That's, I mean, oh my gosh, dude. I'm, <laughs> We're, we're we're all we're all blessed on that end, man, and I'm 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 thankful that uh, that uh, we connected there, and thankful for all the friendships that came along the way, as well as the stories, man. It keeps you laughing. <laughs> it sure does. All right, dude. Well, I'm gonna get you out of here. You have a great day. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Love you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, sooner than later. Right on, dude. My special thanks to Chuck Connor for being my guest today. Thank you for listening, and thanks again to those that have reached out through social media and through email. If you want to reach the show, email me at john at stagerightpodcast.com, john at stagerightpodcast.com. After six months, we are reevaluating, recalibrating, and only making things better. We've got several surprises coming up in the next few weeks. I can't wait to tell you all about it. My guest next Friday, Mike Childers, longtime friend and drummer, current tour manager for Scotty McCreary. Have a fantastic week, everybody.